heavy blow to the skull. This is not a test. everybody welcome back to the bestoprods.com movies and a television podcast as always i am your host dad joining me today we have cave i know i know you guys all hoped i was gone forever some days i wish that too what no mostly dead it was was mostly dead who was wishing i was gone forever let's be honest be brutally honest people but yes we is back we is doing movies we haven't done this in like a month and a half two months and in all honesty, it's because we haven't felt like it. <laughs> yeah, really. That's it. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. It's pu- it's purely been uh, malaise. <laughs> yep. Welcome to Dust or Prods, where if we don't want to do something, we largely don't do it. Which means you know we want to do it when we're doing it. Like, right now, I am tired and depressed, but I did not tell Dad, eh, let's not do it today. Because <laughs> I want to get this done. I want it <laughs> off my list. <laughs> You can tell we do something we want to do it. I don't want to do this, but I don't have anything else to do. And so fuck. No, it. no, no. I don't feel like doing anything, but I want to do this today. <laughs> That's the difference. Uh, for show note, depression. <laughs> uh, yeah, about. But yes, we're here to talk about movies, TV stuff. We've been watching things, probably. Cave. I, I did. I watch. You know, I watch stuff. You just looked at my list. I feign ignorance to maintain the narrative. <laughs> no. And you say I'm bad at guess ending. <laughs> Only in D and D. I've gotten better. <laughs> I'm better when I'm a player. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for those of you who are interested, Death Door Prods is doing a uh, D&D podcast. You can look us up under Die. Yes, we're under Die on the website, and then Death Door Prods, everywhere else we do podcasts, which now includes Amazon Music. We have the potential to make that Bezos money. Uh, yeah, right. I don't mean the amount of uh. money he has. I mean a stipend of what he has. Yeah, I know, and I continue to say, yeah, right. <laughs> but we could get crumbs. No, no, we can't. Let's be real here, Dad. Even the shittiest mouse finds a crumb every now and then. We're pretty shitty mice, Dad. <laughs> yes, but I'm still doing stuff. If, if, if the site is collectively a mouse, I am that mouse's one good leg trying to move it. Ah. Uh, we love you guys. Hit us up on Kofi. so yeah cave Uh, my mood's better now (laughs) third prompting and now cave (laughs) oh you want me to talk I haven't done this in months I don't remember how this works (laughs) 
God damn it. <laughs> it is so much fun to fuck with him. So we're going to start off with something that none of you have heard of. Defenders of the Earth, 1986. So a while ago, we did uh, Pulp Heroes Month where we watched uh, movies from various pulp heroes. One of them was the Great Purple Condom, the Phantom. And The Defenders of the Earth is a TV series centered around a bunch of pulp hero comics from, I believe, Charleston Comics? Uh, um, Star where Comics. We've, Star Comics? Um, let, me, let me just double check I, the lineup. I it. Yeah, it's Star Comics, an imprint of Marvel Comics. Uh, featuring Flash Gordon, the Phantom, Mandrake the Magician, and Mandrake's assistant Lothar. Yeah, and it it was it was a cartoon, and it was apparently a long running cartoon. Like I looked this up on I looked I looked up the run the run length, and I was like, oh my god, there was that much interest in this because it's not good. <laughs> it's not bad, but it's not good. It's not <laughs> exciting or interesting or anything new. It's basically budget Avengers. And I do mean, like, my favorite thing about the first episode slash movie, because I watched it in two different versions. I watched it as multiple episodes, and I watched it as a movie, because I don't have a life. And it's the most, like, hey, we're just going to give you guys everything you need to get started bullshit ever. They get, they literally get handed an infinite power source, <laughs> a secret base with secret passages sidekicks and a supercomputer that used to be uh, i think uh, uh the flash's uh flash gordon's wife and i'm just like come on people work for a little bit of it yeah it, I'm, I'm, it I'm, I'm just looking at it now thing. i'm just looking at it now and yeah this looks like this looks like the most janky fucking cartoon it is it fe it feels like somebody like saw Captain Planet before it happened and it was like, ah, oh, we can do that. And like just aged up all the characters. Like I kept expecting the one black character to say, let our powers combine. Cause he looks like an adult version of uh Kwame? No. Mati. Mati. He looks like an adult version of Mati. Ooh. And I'm just like Mati is Indian. No, the guy who says let our powers combine. Okay. So that the black guy that, from uh, okay. Captain Planet. Okay, I was thinking of a different character that that's on me. Okay. I know I know I know the Indian kid with the heart ring who's like scarily one of the more powerful members of the team if he wants to be. Okay, so for reference, I have never watched a single second of Captain Planet outside of the Don Cheadle videos. <laughs> and you were right, the guy's name was Kwame. Yeah, I'm not racist. Sorry. Yeah. Voice by LeVar like, Burton. Is, is it racist for me to think his name is Kwame? I know he was African. No, I'm. <laughs> it's probably more racist of me to go, Kwame, that's a fake name. But no, um, I, like, it's actually, like, interesting. Because <laughs> we get a bunch of villains from the various heroes' backgrounds, and, and they interact. They're all attacking the Earth at the same time. The heroes have to work together. It's an interesting set of powers that don't really, like... Like, there's not much power amongst these powered individuals. And, like, the Phantom has a bunch of powers that weren't in the movie, but I never read the comic book, so I don't know if they're canon to them. Flash Gordon is there. 
like the wizard has a bunch of powers and he has a like i can't remember if it's the phantom or the wizard whose daughter has a psychic connection with a panther uh um i that's probably uh yes the daughter uh phantom ming the merciless is there and very green (laughs) (laughs) well yeah like i know he was green before but he is very green uh there's another random kid who finds an alien pet who is obviously supposed to be like the mascot for the show and i'm just there's so much weird to this show and i like it like again i i i I call it like the discount avengers but i like it (laughs) okay also so it's so out of left field that i i I enjoy it so also um from what i am reading this version of ming the merciless is the first one to be green really yeah because his name is ming the fucking merciless hmm i've never i i have never watched any flash gordon I, I I know nothing about any of these characters except for the Phantom, and the only things I know about him are from the movie that I've watched. So that's another thing that's kind of cool about this is I'm not going into it like with the Avengers where I'm like, oh, so they're choosing this continuity for that character. It's I have no idea who any of these characters are. Let's see what goes on. Yeah, uh, I am a bit more familiar with Ming and the Flash Gordon stuff solely because I watched the one season of the 2007 Sci-Fi Channel original series, Flash Gordon. I kind of want to watch the Defenders of the Earth with you now. <laughs> <laughs> like, two guys with relatively little knowledge of a, of a, of a like, superhero cartoon go in and just watch it and just laugh. Because this is, sh- this, this, is, this is schlocky and funny as hell, and I love it. But yeah, Ming the Merciless. Like, this is not a good cartoon. <laughs> Ming the Merciless, kind of from the beginning, has been, as the name would suggest, kind of an Asian stereotype. And as with as with history being what it is, played predominantly by white guys. Mmm, delicious. Yeah, with Defenders of the Earth, uh, they made him. According according to Wikipedia, this version is made more grotesque than his traditional appearance to avoid racial stereotyping. Being portrayed mm. as having green skin and pointed ears. Not sure how that how I feel about that, but I mean, good for them for trying to avoid racism. Yep, and then uh, getting into the 2007 series, uh, he is played just straight up by a white dude, meant to be white, and described as, quote, a Saddam Hussein kind of tyrant. Oh, wow, we, ha- we have to do this, Dead. I have been trying <laughs> to find a usable version and I can't. All right. Well, I will. I will. I will send you the link for mine, and you can tell me if it's usable or not. Yeah. Uh, after I after the recording, I'll send it to you. Um, this version of being the merciless is a media savvy tyrant who controls the planet through a monopoly on the production of clean water. Good lord! Ming is known as an although although as evil as ever. Ming is known and addressed as benevolent father. All right. So, like, I, I, I this this show is like a fever dream. Um, Ming sets up his base in Antarctica and summons a bunch of ice golems to fight for him. And I'm just like, um, what? 
<laughs> ice base okay at one point he finds the phantom's brother and like gives him superpowers so that the phantom's brother can try to become the evil phantom and steal the phantom's powers for some reason somehow his brother is also a giant d-bag like mm. like no two ways about it his brother is a giant d-bag like i said one of their wives i'm pretty sure it's flash's wife gets killed and turned into the computer system for their secret base yeah that's that's flash's wife dale arden they they spend half their time in space half their time on an earth base i the show is weird and i love it i have <laughs> and i think the best part is like having like one or two drinks while you're watching it because you feel way more drunk without having to pay the price the next day God, i have <laughs> never heard of mandrake the magician I'm pretty sure he's a Charleston hero like Phantom. Uh, again, the, none of these characters are Charleston characters. I'm pretty sure the Phantom was a, was originally a Charleston hero. Uh, the Phantom. King Features Syndicates. Then who am I thinking of that are Charleston heroes? Uh, the question. I'm thinking of the question. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. It's, all right, who are the Watchmen analogs? Because it's Captain Adam, the question, Blue Beetle. Uh, the fucking lady who was the basis for Silk Spectre, whose name I can never fucking remember. And then whoever the shit they got for Ozymandias. Or Ozymandias, as I've heard it pronounced. I'm looking this, I'm looking this stuff up. Keep talking about your thing. Well, I was about to move on unless you want to keep talking about the uh, fever dream that is... <laughs> the defenders of the earth like like hands down i fucking i i really it's one of those weird 80s cartoons that i love you know what i mean oh okay that's neat like, actually uh apparently silk specter was not explicitly based on any particular charleston character oh that's cool of course i don't think there were any female members of the charleston heroes team uh there was nightshade hmm but I'm going to move forward and move just a little bit further along in the timeline. Uh, Captain Marvel. Uh, another Marvel product, obviously. Uh, this movie was set in like the 90s-ish. Oh, okay. And I only just now watched it. And I really liked it. Like, I had been, I was sick of all Marvel everything for a while. So I just was like, I'm not touching any Marvel anything. And now I'm watching all the Marvel movies and TV shows in timeline order because I'm insane. <laughs> yeah, that is a hard <laughs> swing. It's like, ah, oh, I'm so yeah. sick of this stuff. It's just everything. I'm just going to go away for a while. And then I it's been, it's been long enough. Let's watch everything. I'm, I'm, I took my break. I'm coming. I skipped like a couple of things where I was like, I've seen this 17 times. I know this. Uh, the real problem is going to be watching the TV series because it's like, all right, got to got to do six movies in one. <laughs> <laughs> no break. Um, but no, I, I really, I liked this version of Captain Marvel. Um, it was like, it was a hard turn because I had just watched Avengers Assemble before this. So I, like, it was a bit of a hard turn from that Captain Marvel, who is like very much the rainbow dash of the team. Okay. I have no context for that. Uh, the sporty, high-energy, hyper-competitive one. 
Okay. Whereas this Captain Marvel felt more like a well-rounded person instead of just a caricature. Um, which And it's not a bad thing when you've got an ensemble cast, a very large cast, and you have to reduce someone down to a bit of a caricature. Like, so long as at some point they get more identity and more personality and more character. In Avengers Assemble, Captain Marvel did get some episodes where she got to develop more, but she always felt a little like, all I can do is prove that I'm better than everyone else by proving I'm better. And, like, T'Challa got the same treatment in Avengers Assemble. But in Captain Marvel, she has, like, a lot of personality and is a really interesting character, and I really like her. But... I kind of dislike what they did to her relationship with Marvel. Cause it, like, I like, I don't really like what the comics originally did, but I do like what a lot of the TV series have done where she and Marvel have like a, like a, a very deep connection, almost romantic, but it never quite gets there. Um, and I'm talking purely from the TV series. I don't really care about what the comics have done to her. Um, I don't really care much for most comics anymore because they've kind of been shitting the bed a lot. Okay, yeah. Well, but from what I, from what I remember in the comics, um, Carol, for a while, was just like female sidekick. Mm, fun. Even before she got her powers, and then, and then after a while, like the the character started getting more popular, and they just like kind of pushed her to being her to being her own thing. Uh. She was bad for a while, and a lot of bad shit happened to her. So I think you Avengers two hundred. No, I'm 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 remembering that one. I remember that. But no, yeah, no, th- th- there was like this solid like middle, like the solid like middle area, like essentially right after or right around like House of M, where in House mm-hmm. of M, Captain Marvel, uh, or sorry, Ms. Marvel at the time, Carol, uh, in the House of M timeline, she was the world's most popular superhero. Oh wow! Cool. Yeah, and then after then after House of M ended, she was like, "Okay, I want that." And it kind of went about being a more proactive superhero, and then eventually adopting the Captain Marvel moniker. And then Marvel kind of fucked her with Civil War Two. Another I thing that I really, since. another thing that I really like about uh, this movie is the fact that it kind of ties into Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, because uh, Carol dies. And gets brought back by the blue blood. Oh. Which is really interesting to me. And I really... Because that that's how they brought uh, Coulson back for uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is they they pumped him full of Kree blood. And that worked. And I'm just... I, li- I like that. I like even like... Because I'm pretty sure Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was considered non-canon at this point. At this point. Um, I love but Agents it, of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's less that it was, uh, but, it's less that it was non-canon so much as... If it was canon, it wasn't acknowledged mm. because, like, they had all the inhuman shit like that was happening. Like, I think that I think both uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch showed up in like a post-credit scene in Ages of Shield season. Uh, like, Sif, Lady Sif, who is still Lady Sif in the movies, was also in the show. Yeah, she uh, hunted down a. She helped hunt down a barbarian war staff that a uh, no berserker war staff. My mistake. That like a a like there was an Asgardian who was like, I just want to enjoy life. I'm tired of being a berserker. Came to Earth, 
dropped his staff and then started wandering the earth and eventually became a professor in Nordic history. Because when you're trying to escape that, you become a specialist in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got to uh, make money somehow, and there's not a whole lot of money to be made in just hitting people. Except he didn't want to hit people anymore, so even if there was money to be made, he wouldn't do it. Exactly. So, what are his two skills? Hitting people and Norse. <laughs> but, um, like, I, I, I really, I, one of my favorite things in this movie was, like, Carol coming to understand just how powerful she is compared to everybody else around her. Because it's like, oh, yeah, other people can't really do the whole hand energy blast thing. And I'm ridiculously strong. <laughs> the slow, like the slow relevation, even though it was a bit weak of the mystery behind everything that happened to her. And like, yes, this led to this led to this. I liked that. I like the amnesiac slowly coming to terms with what actually happened storyline. I just I really over, like with everything included, I really, really enjoy that. It feels like some good meat and potatoes on my storylines, and I like it. That being said, I don't like the way they disrespected Fury here. Okay. Fury, so. Fury is an asshole. I will never deny that. But he's also one of the more powerful black characters in film media. Off the top of my head, we've got three. T'Challa, Fury, and Heimdall. And Fury's signature scar was given to him by an alien cat. Right. Yeah, that did happen. The scar that kind of, like, like you, like, it's how you know Fury is Fury. He walks on, he's got the eye patch. Oh, that's fucking Fury. And it was given to him by an alien cat. I did like the bit where they identified it as a, like, Flodnarb or something, and everybody kept saying, no, that's a cat. And it's like, oh, no, 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 that's an alien monster thing. Okay, fuck nuggets. Everyone was justified to be terrified of that thing. How long has Danvers been, has been, has had a pet alien? I also liked how they gave her the name Verse because like everything else on her like on her um dog tags was burned off except for those last four letters. So they assumed that was her name. <laughs> that was cute. I like that. I get little things that like really invest me in these movies. Like them having a radio shack. I was like, how the fuck? There are no radio shacks left. And then I remembered that I passed by an abandoned Radio Shack every time I go into town. <laughs> so they could have easily just fixed up an abandoned Radio Shack. Or they, could, still, have just, like, or they could have just got a building and put a sign on it. I, I know. It's just like those little touches really like cement things for me. And I, I really love them. I, I, just, um, I just love the way you're talking about like, like how did they get a Radio Shack? Like this is like a fucking like $20,000 budget movie and not. Not one of the Marvel films. Yeah. It's like, it's like, they're a multi-billion dollar company that owns everything. How could they have found a Radio Shack? I know, man, right? They could have just like got a Best Buy and painted it black and red. Or whatever the fuck the Radio Shack colors were. I don't know. Red and something. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Like, even before Radio Shack died in the States, there were no Radio Shacks in Canada. 
eh, Radio Shack died and it didn't need to be revived, so I'm not going to be butthurt about it. Yeah, like, like a couple years before Radio Shack like officially went under, Radio Shack was replaced by The Source by Circuit City here in Canada. I have no idea what that is. I suppose I assume it's a Radio Shack equivalent. Yeah, you go in there and they have like everyday electronics and then like other like lesser like niche electronics, like in case you want to like solder your own headphones. Mm. Yeah, same same kind of way Zellers was replaced by Target. I have no idea what Zellers is. It's like Target. <sighs> okay. And then Target was replaced by dollar stores. Like fully, just we had it. We had a Target. It was like the biggest store in this fucking town. And then Target went under in Canada, and then they replaced the Target with a Planet Fitness and a dollar store. Ugh, Planet Fitness. As a fat man, I am offended by their existence. <laughs> but no. So like Captain Marvel, I I really enjoyed that movie. Like it was the '90s was my the era of my childhood. So there was so much nostalgia for me. And it just hit all the right buttons, like the wannabe cool guy outfits, the the tough guy demeanors. I, I while I don't like how they gave Fury a scar, I like them showing him as a newbie shield agent. Like him, like he hasn't learned all of the tricks of the trade. He's not the super spy yet. He's a pretty badass individual, but he's in over his head right now. So. I, I I really I really liked that. Um, another thing I liked uh, I liked in the movie was the ship designs. I am a star. I am a spaceship fanatic. I love spaceships. I love looking at the designs. I love trying to figure out if someone actually thought about how a spaceship would function. Whether it's like is the ship meant to be in Atmo or is this a purely spacefaring vessel? I I like that. But I don't like how a lot of the uh, Marvel spaceships fit like the same like, oh, it's kind of dragonfly inspired design. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I liked that um, Marvel spaceship looked nothing like any of the spaceships we've ever seen before. It looked like an Earth, a, an Earth plane with spaceships parts attached. <laughs> and I liked that because that is how I would expect Earth's first like real spaceships to be. I'd expect fighter jets with giant fucking engines to the, attached to the back of them. Yeah. Or that. maybe like just bulkier fighter jets. Cause what is our most, like what is our most used spaceship uh, right now? It's a plane. It is designed to look like a plane because we know how things work in our atmosphere. And that just works for me. It hits a button and I like it. I just, I spent those last couple minutes trying to look up the quote of, like, someone asked Nick Fury, like, how you lost your eye, and he, or, like, so, the conversation eventually got to this, and he's, and, like, Fury says, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. Yeah, and it was the cat. He trusted the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it works. I'm just like, come on, we don't have that many black badasses. Come on, guys. Like, does it work, though? Yeah, he trusted the cat, and it wasn't a cat. <laughs> he trusted the cat and it wasn't a cat. Like, I mean, it works when, in the most literal sense, but I'm talking about like from a character perspective. Because when someone says, like, hey, last time I trusted someone, something bad happened, you are referring to a person and then also something of importance. Not, oh, hey, look, a thing I think it is. Oh, no, it isn't. 
See, my argument for that is he's been a badass for so long. If like he's he's figured out badass ways to sell it while not lying, because the number one trick to being a convincing liar is never really lying. It's lying by omission. It's not telling the whole truth, what everybody would expect from you. It's leaving out just the most important detail. That's the be- That's the way to be the best liar you can be. <sighs> And I could see Nick Fury like, well, if I tell them, if I don't say anything, they're going to make up stories. So I might as well, like, just like feed into the stories and build my myth a little bit. I could see that. Yeah, same. I could also very easily see they didn't write how he lost his eye. Oh, no, I think they I think they uh, were backfitting, you know? Yeah, it's like they they were making it fit in from the rear end it's, it's like they had an actual badass way he lost his eye and then we're like i can put a joke in here right just the, just the entire marvel model of bathos yeah but yeah i i have had no desire to see captain marvel just because like like going in going into it i was at like a very bad place with a uh, carol as a character just because of the shit that was happening and she was doing because of civil war 2 for those who don't know in the comics civil war the first one was fucking garbage the worst decision that they could have made at the time it was horrendous it wasn't the like character driven drama that was exacerbated by a villain just kind of going hey you fucked with me so i'm gonna so i'm gonna make sure you guys destroy each other it was it no no do not justify the movie doing it because the movie did it terribly too i liked the movie I despised the movie because it was contrived bullshit. It was, hmm, we've known each other for years. And instead of talking, we're going to level ultimatums, threaten each other, and ultimately not actually function like normal human beings at all. Which is part of why I didn't like the comics either. Oh, the, the comics like, were it, significantly worse. Oh, the co- yeah, but it was the same base idea of, hey, we've known each other for years. Let's not talk about this. Let's just start arguing. Let's just ignore each other's ideals, even though, and oh my God, I fucking hate it that they chose Tony for the comics and for the movies to be the guy who'd support this agenda when he's fought against these kind of agendas for decades in the comic books and literally actively fought against it in his own fucking movies. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I have a very strong opinion about the Civil War storylines. Yeah, so comics-wise, uh, a supervillain blew up a school, and then everyone blamed the superheroes. So then, American Congress passed a law saying that all superheroes had to register with Shield, and then that Shield would draft them to be their fucking super soldier, whatever, whenever they wanted. If you had powers, you had to register with Shield. And if you didn't, then either other heroes or a hit squad would be sent out to get you. And yeah, so, mediocrity. And yeah, so that all happened. Uh, the registration side just straight up won, and were and were touted as the objective good guys by the writer. And all of the readers were like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, for reference. Uh, they made a clone robot slave version of uh, Thor, uh, killed a, which killed another hero, a black hero, which they had to wrap in chains because they couldn't figure out a way to shrink him despite having Hank Pym on their side. Uh, 
and 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 uh, Reed Richards, Tony Stark, and Hank Pym all thought it was an amazing idea to build a prison inside of a dimension that caused emotional stress and damage and led to people wanting to kill themselves. And you all know how I hate Richards. Yep, Frank. Yep, Reed Richards. I keep keep I keep almost saying Franklin Richards. Franklin Richards is a way better character. Yeah, Reed Richards is Marvel's greatest villain. But yeah, so then we get into Civil War Two, where this is in the middle of their Inhuman push after like before before Disney bought out Fox and they got the X Men back. The Inhumans were being pushed just like, hey, this is the next, this is the new hotness, this is the next big thing. Inhumans are awesome. So we have an Inhuman now who can predict the future. And so then Carol was like, all right, we have this, we have this information, we have pre-crime now. When we used it, the guy that's the one. I, that's the phrase I was thinking of, pre-crime. Yes, thank we, you. Yeah, now that now that we have this, yeah, using this using this information, we stopped Thanos. But my boyfriend and one of my best friends got horribly injured and or dead. One of the first relances I've seen of a guy being fridged, so you know progress. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's lazy writing contrivance. Yes, it is. Yeah. So then Carol was like. Uh, so then Carol just was like, real quick, for yeah. those of you who don't know, fridging is when you kill a character purely for the pathos of, oh, I killed this character to drive the hero to do something stupid. Yes, it is traditionally woman killed to motivate a guy. While there are, again, one or two instances of other stuff, it is predominantly and overwhelmingly killing women to motivate men. And when you need to know, motivate a woman, you kill their kid. <laughs> you think I'm joking? No, I don't. I know. <laughs> or kidnap the kid, but usually it's like, you usually like, <laughs> but yeah, lazy so, writing. But yeah, so, um, Tony figures out how the kid's powers work and is like, hey, this isn't actually seeing the future because the future doesn't exist. The future doesn't exist until we, until we like are there, at which point it becomes the present, apparently ignoring all the time travel. And, and then Carol was like, no, fuck you. This is real and we are going to use all of it and just pushing as hard as she can to go, hey, if this kid sees you committing a crime, we're going to treat you as if you have already committed this crime and not we're going to treat this as intelligence and investigate. Anytime anyone Which is why pre-crime is stupid. Yeah, anytime anybody suggests, hey, what if he uses his intel and investigate and then try to intervene before a crime happens? She's like, no. That's dumb. Which leads to the Hulk. Which leads to Hawkeye murdering the Hulk. Oh, sorry, Hawkeye murdering Bruce Banner. Because at that time, because that time, to say, yeah, because that time, Bruce Banner was no longer the Hulk. The current Hulk was Amadeus Cho. Yeah, Bruce at that point was like living out in the woods, living on a farm or something, and then. Uh, the kid had a vision of the Hulk like attacking and murdering a bunch of the heroes. Everyone saw this vision. Everyone saw that it was not Bruce Banner, and they were like, "We need to go talk to Bruce Banner." And then Hawkeye sitting in a tree, like a half mile away, using his amazing hawk eyes, saw him My turning. Yeah, saw him turning kind of green, so shot him in the fucking eye. <laughs> 
this is why I stopped reading comics. <laughs> this is the exact kind of shit that made me go, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done reading comics. But okay, so that, that drove me off of Captain Marvel for a long time. And so I, so I avoided the movie. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, part of it might have also been the way Brie Larson was talking about, like, men in the media. Like, that is... Don't like to admit it, but that was probably part of it. I don't know how she was talking about men in the media. I don't know any about that. And I kind of like to avoid all that. Yeah, that's better. Uh, and then when we got to uh, like the uh, her of her showing up in like the uh, Infinity War and Endgame stuff. She left the worst first impression. I think I think at the time I described her as a bitch with a haircut. <sighs> It was like really reductive and just trying to make a joke. I still, from what I remember, do not like her in those movies. I haven't gotten to that one yet. But maybe if I had the context, I'd be a bit more. I'd be a bit less shitty on her. But yeah, just I, I have had no desire to actually check that out. But I may end up having to because I do really want to check out the Ms. Marvel TV show because I really love Kamala Khan. And Monica Rambeau from uh wandavision is also pretty all right she is cool and they are going to be showing up in the sequel the marvels which i know the company is called marvel but it just really hurts me that the first thing we're getting about the marvels isn't about captain marvel from dc comics and the marvel family hey. sorry my cat just bit my leg yeah i the the Captain Marvel versus Captain Marvel stuff is way too deep to go into on the movies podcast right now, but I have a deep love and un, I have a deep and undying love for the character that is now known as Shazam. Yeah, Shazam is awesome. Like he's a lot of fun. So like, yeah. and I, in my head, I have to like mentally make sure I am calling him Shazam because I know him and refer to him in my head as Captain Marvel. Yeah. And the Marvel family with Mary Marvel, Captain Marvel Jr., the Marvel uncles. Yeah, it gets weird. Yeah, Protectors of Foster City. I love that movie. That movie was awesome. Yeah, I really am interested in the sequel. I'm going to rewatch that movie today. Maybe tomorrow. It's great. (sighs) But so I like Captain Marvel, which leads right now into uh, Avengers Assemble. Which, okay, so I really loved the cartoon Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes. And then Disney bought Marvel and Marvel decided to relaunch their Avengers cartoon by deleting, just saying, oh, Earth Mightiest Heroes, it's over. We're ending it on a major plot point. We're starting something new. Which pissed me the fuck off. I was so angry. Uh, but, like, I finally sat down and watched Avengers Assemble, and I fucking love it. <laughs> like, I, I, li- I like it. I like ev- the way every every character gets some spotlight. Every character gets their moments, gets portrayed well. I love their Beyonder. He is such an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, the original Beyonder was an asshole, but it's like, He's from the 70s, so it's like, how do you label, how, like, how do you interact with him, all that jazz? This Beyonder is a hipster douchebag, and I love it. 
it's it's so perfect for the modern beyonder it's like this is this is the kind of asshole we need to be the beyonder yes this fucker fuck this guy (laughs) it's great i love this beyonder um uh, I, I really like, cause the villains, like in a lot of cartoons, one of the big problems is the villains never get a real win. They always get like half wins or, oh, you're just trying to make the best out of this situation. No, the villains win in this cartoon sometimes. And like, they're willing to end the season on it. And I'm just like, oh man, I gotta watch the next season now, which leads to me, you know, spending several hours in front of the TV when I should be, you know, writing or recording this. Uh, <laughs> but they also have a really great Kamala Khan and she has a really fun relationship with vision where vision is kind of like that socially awkward big brother who's like <laughs> guiding, uh, guiding Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel while also learning from her is like, Oh, this is how you do the high five. <laughs> it's like it's like I really like the only thing I don't like about it is they'll just bring characters in and then never explain. Like we get a movie where the Vision is born in the like Marvel Cinematic Universe. We don't even get a fucking episode in Avengers Assemble. Ha- a counterpoint in the uh like 1990s Avengers that couldn't use any of the main Avengers we get a full fucking like three episodes dedicated to the vision coming in as a villain, like kicking ass and taking names and then getting fucking um, wonder man's brain put in him, which that's a whole kettle of fish that never got covered in the movies. <laughs> like you, 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 you like the vision. There's a version of him. That's kind of a zombie. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just going to say like, from what I remember of like looking at stuff, because I never actually watched the show, this seemed like it was just this is Marvel. The Marvel characters are there. We don't really do origin stories because they've been existing forever. Yeah, I know, but I, I like I like origin stories every once in a while, especially for characters who are still relatively new, like Kamala Khan. Yeah, and also uh, looking at this stuff, um, this is being made while Marvel is owned by Disney. And I, and I don't yeah. and I don't and I don't mean like oh yeah the show was being produced and then midway through it got bought by Disney. I mean they started production in two thousand eight. They were bought by Disney in two thousand nine. and the show premiered in two thousand ten. Oh, so they just ended Earth Earth's Mightiest Heroes because they wanted to. Uh, yes. All right. Can I get a list of the people's asses I need to kick? Uh, I don't because think they, ha- they I don't literally think I have ended Earth's Mightiest asses. Heroes. They literally ended Earth's Mightiest Heroes with Kang the fucking Conqueror. One of the most interesting Marvel villains there is. Meeting the Council of Kangs. (laughs) Now I'm even angrier. (laughs) Caveman smash. That's what's going to happen. Like I thought, oh, it's probably Disney saying that they had. No, it's not Disney saying they have to. It's just them being assholes fuckers and like that is one problem with um avengers assemble is some of the villains i feel like are underpowered and underused whereas others are just over embraced and still others are kind of turned into joke characters like baron zemo is a whiny daddy's boy who just wants papa to acknowledge him 
one of the leaders of Hydra, the most dangerous criminal organization on Earth in the Marvel Universe. And he's a whiny daddy's boy who just wants daddy to notice him. Uh, okay. Look, yeah. And just I'm looking at just like list episode listing. And the last episode of Avengers, Earth Mightiest Heroes, is them fighting Galactus. Am I misremembering? I'm pretty sure that Kang the Conqueror... Well, it's not the last episode. It's one of the last episodes where Kang escapes from prison because the Council of Kangs is like, you must stop these idiots. You know, and... that, that's, the, that's the fourth last episode. Yeah. They teased Kang being a major villain in the later episodes. They killed off Galactus in... Uh, in the like last last or second to last episode in the finale yeah yeah and it's like yeah that's a great point to end on but you literally said K- kang the conqueror was coming back come on yeah man i mean young justice originally got canceled on fucking dark side oh don't even get me fucking started on that that made me really angry yep but unlike this they got they that got brought back with the same continuity and I think they also fixed Killing Joke in that show. I don't. I don't. I haven't gotten that far. Yeah, neither have I. I got really mad at. Um, I got really mad at them for constantly killing. Uh, what's her name? The chick who's part Mother Box. Uh, it has been a while, and I also may not have gotten that far. I don't think I finished season three. But I got really mad at them for constantly killing her, so I needed a break. Yeah, I'll look it up so that we don't just have two minutes of you typing. Please keep talking. Um. So, like, I really like Avengers Assemble, but uh, it's Gabrielle Dow, uh, who uh, whose code name is Halo. Code name is Halo. That's who I'm talking about. Uh, I hated them constantly killing her off. Probably just for shock value every episode, which I'm like, stop doing that. It wasn't Um, wasn't one of her powers like regeneration. She just she could come back from the dead. Yeah, she just didn't die. Yeah. And at one point they implied that that was actually killing her. And I was like, the fuck? (laughs) Stop killing her. But uh, I have one more thing to talk about and I'm going to be doing more complaining. Uh, Wow, that's Kind of the theme of this episode, it seems for me. Um, <laughs> Batman Long Halloween. It's a really interesting premise that they just kind of shit the bed with. So Batman Long Halloween is uh, what if um, oh god the ca- if what if Calendar Man was actually scary. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Calendar Man's thing is killing people on specific holidays. Uh, and the whole time I was watching Long Halloween, I was like, so it's Calendar Man. Like, this is literally his shtick. It's got to be Calendar. I know it's not Calendar Man, but it's Calendar Man. <laughs> you, you, wrote a, you, wrote a, you wrote a storyline that is Calendar Man is the villain. And yes, cannibal, how, Calendar Man is your Hannibal Lecter equivalent in this. But it's Calendar Man. That's the only person it should be. Cannibal Man is your Hallander Lecter. <laughs> uh, when I get impassioned, I misspeak. It's 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 one of the things that people love about me. 
And by people, I mean no one. Uh, but no. So, like, the whole time, I'm like, it's Calendar Man. It should be Calendar Man. And we get a Batman that's captured a lot of his rogues gallery that is utterly incompetent. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, exaggerating or, like, poking fun. Batman has to be rescued on three separate occasions <clears throat> by Catwoman, who, I would argue, beats him up at least once. Batman is like year one Batman without any of his training. He solves the crime by lucking into the murderer's secret base, lets the murderer get away, and I would argue actively has part in creating one of his greatest uh, villains, which is Two-Face. Yeah. That... More often than not, Batman stories are, oh god, I made my worst enemy, fuck. And he does nothing to help Two-Face either. I'm just... This is the worst Batman. <laughs> like, this is, I didn't bother going around the globe for a decade getting any training. I just bought a cool suit and decided to punch villains. And I'm just utterly baffled. Because there were moments where I was like, oh, he's about to pull off this cool thing using strategy and forward thinking. Nope. Get saved. Okay, yeah, apparently this Our is... Our killer gets places that they cannot get, like, feasibly, and then gets away from Batman, usually by setting him up for a prop fall. Like, like there, I'm, like, there wasn't a banana peel slip moment, but there were moments that felt like banana peel slip moments. Yeah, apparently this is, very, this is actually just, like, straight up a year one Batman story. Yeah, but even year one Batman is more competent than this Batman. <laughs> Year one Batman like shows some level of forethought. A lot of year one Batman stories are, yeah, he went and got some kind of training first. This Batman can't even solve a crime. This is this is him before he got any of the suit. This is just him in the balaclava and like the fucking just, no, just, just, he's like, full hold... suit. Okay, he's full suit. No, I'm, full ta I'm, talk I'm talking about spiritually. Which, if they had had him just in the balaclava at the beginning, then I would have been more accepting. But it's full suit, full gear, like shit that he shouldn't get for decades because it's like gadgets that he figures out to fight off like a specific villain. Oh, wait, he already beat that villain somehow. He's got a rapport with fucking Grundy. He leaves Thanksgiving dinner out for Grundy. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, seriously, Grundy is like his pet in the sewers. Uh, Grundy keeps falling into that role. Like, the same thing just happened in Stargirl. I need to watch Stargirl. It's it's solid. I was going to say... I've, uh, watched, I've watched some of it, but I fell yeah. off of it about the same... Like, I was it, like I was interchanging Stargirl with Young Justice. And <laughs> Ooh, when I got about, sick of Young idea. Justice... When I got sick of Young Justice, I stopped watching both. Okay. Um, I was gonna say like, like like watching Young Justice then going to a CW show. <laughs> like, Star Girl's actually pretty solid, in my opinion. Yeah, Star Girl is pretty solid, but it is it is significantly helped by the fact that it is a CW show. 
because it is a CW show, at least for me, I have I have like I'm grading it on a curve. But yeah, Batman Long Halloween is a frustrating watch for because if if you're if you're a detective at all, like if you read detective novels and like to solve them, you're gonna solve it long before Batman and be sitting there like, come on, you idiot! Uh, they tease Two Face turning into Two Face throughout the entire movie. Like, there are multiple times like, oh, he's going to turn into Two-Face. No? What? Oh, he's going to turn into Two-Face. No? Huh? Over and over again. And I'm just like, God fucking damn it. Stop it. Just turn him into Two-Face already. For fuck's sake. This was the frustration about the, like, constant just like, oh, we're going to do it. Oh, we're going to do it. And now we're not. Or or is it just, like, you don't like him being Harvey Dent and you just want to be Two-Face? It was the constant, we're going to do it, we're going to do it now. Okay. Don't dangle the shiny keys in front of me. I'm not a toddler. I know what you're trying to do. It doesn't work. Just just imagining now, just in a, just in a writer's room. Just they're working, on this, they're working on the script for this. And then it's like, all right, so we tease it for the fourth time. And then someone's like, come on, we, we can't do that. The audience isn't toddlers. And everyone's like, wait, aren't they? This is comic books. <laughs> Oh, oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> and the thing that makes me the angriest, the thing that makes me the absolute angriest is there is a competent story buried in that pile of crap. Have there you read the comic? Good... No, I've not. Okay. But Birdie, Birdie read it and he told me that it was good, I think. Okay. Sure. Um, but no, I have not read the comic. Like I said, I stopped reading comics because I kind of got sick of them. I kind of got sick of the constant bullshit. Yeah, I've kind of fallen into a trap. I've kind of fallen into like a mold right now where I'll keep up with like, I don't not even keep up. I will keep informed on what is coming out and just like spot read stuff. Hmm. Like actually just like, like a couple days ago, I just read every issue leading up to hawkeye and like clint and kate bishop meeting for the first time okay and like that that was interesting just just seeing when they first met clint barton was captain america for a second yeah there have been a lot of people behind the uh cap shield which is always interesting this was really cool this was actually really interesting because it was clint had just come back from the dead Mm -hmm. and Captain America, I'm sorry, not Captain America. Cat, well, sorry, Captain America was dead at this point. He had just been murdered. Uh, and this was around the Civil War. Like, I, think this, I think this was immediately after Civil War. Where, like, where, like the Registration Act was, like, very much... Oh, another thing that's uh, abhorrent about Civil War is it caused one more day. <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, yeah. For those that, who don't that, know, what, for those who don't know, your bile. Yeah, for those who don't know, one more day was the storyline where Spider-Man sold his marriage to Satan because his aunt was shot with a regular gun, and he knows Doctor Strange. Who he went to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange was like, "Oh, I know, I know, I know." No, for them, Doctor Strange fuckers. is a dick. For these fuckers, he's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, I would operate on her, but my hands. 
So here's what I'll do. I will split your consciousness across this across the fucking multiverse so that you exist in multiple points in time simultaneously so you can talk to everyone on the planet who could possibly help you at once. And they all said, nah, too busy. It was like, wait, was she, wait, she was shot with a bullet? Oh, she's fucked. <laughs> and so Spidey yeah. being Spidey. Like, my favorite thing about this is no Wolverine blood transfusion or any of the other thousand regenerators in the Marvel universe that could save her. Yeah, no, instead it's Peter Parker, like, the man who blames himself so for everything. So many contrivances, so many contrivances to justify one of the worst plot lines because a writer felt like that, like Spider-Man shouldn't have a wife because pr- probably because he can't get laid. Uh, yeah, like that was, that was the thing. A lot of the, a lot of the writers at the time were like, yeah, we can't think of interesting storylines to tell when Spider-Man's married. So we just stopped that. And this was after like Stupidest. this is after like decades of the clone saga trying to get him out of the marriage. Oh, the clone saga. Here's the answer. Let Spider-Man retire and let Ben Riley take over. But if we do that, the Spider-Man. He gets to be happy? Oh man, that that could never work. Yeah, no, look at Batman. He's miserable forever. God, I hate that. Ah, oh, man. The fuck? They got so close to fixing it. They got so close. And then Tom King was just like, nah, fuck you. <sighs> Catwoman writes him a note leaving him at the altar on the rooftop saying you are an engine of pain and any kind of happiness will deteriorate the engine. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's as stupid as it sounds. What, what, what were we talking about? I had a point I was trying to make. I don't know. I'm sorry. I got you onto the angry topics. Uh, let's see. I I talked about Spider-Man being one more day. Oh, I was talking about Civil War. You said something that led me back into Civil War. Oh, right. Yeah, I was talking about uh, Captain. I was talking about. um Yeah. So, Hawkeye was back from the dead. By the way, welcome to the comics podcast. <laughs> yeah, Hawkeye was back from the dead. Tony was like, I don't believe you're back from the dead, so I'm going to run every test possible. Like, knocks him out, strips him naked, shows a bunch of twos up his ass, and then the dude like, I mean, yeah, down to the DNA, it's Hawkeye. So then, so then Tony, who was still feeling bad about, you know, causing the Civil War, the day was like, hey, I need a new Captain America. You're marketable <laughs> i could actually see tony saying that exact thing i could see tony saying exactly you're marketable yeah so then <laughs> so, yeah so at, so at that point the young event the young avengers were out doing vigilante stuff and being illegal about it because of the registration act and so they catch patriot and kate bishop hawkeye um taking down a villain who was robbing a gas station and then, hey, Captain America shows up and they talk and then and then he just basically asks her like, hey, she she like talks shit at him of like, you fucker wearing this goddamn dead guy's uniform or and using his name. And then he's like, bitch. So then, she, then like, that's the first time they meet and then they meet for realsies later when Clint is Ronan. 
just to kind oh, of man the number of times characters in the marvel universe just change their identity for a couple of issues because of something yeah. i think the best one was captain america becoming nomad because <laughs> he did not agree with the way the country was going that was awesome in my opinion yeah wasn't that a like protest vietnam or something i think so i think so I'm not 100 yeah. percent. comics are so. ridiculous ah but yeah that's not about comics anything else you've been watching cave uh, that does it for me. That's all I want to talk about today. <sighs> all righty then. So for my stuff, I've been watching the CW's Nancy Drew. It's not good. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, folks. A glowing recommendation from Dead. It's not good. <laughs> I've watched every episode. <laughs> Why? Because it's not good in a way I find interesting. Oh, so it's like Defenders of the Earth to me. Kind of. I don't know if anyone else would find it bad in the way I do. I think they just find it regular bad. Okay. Because like the first season is the closest to being okay. Because the first season is kind of the simplest. It's a murder mystery, and there's some aspect of supernatural shit happening. Ooh. Yeah, so with the first episode, so with the first season, um, Nancy Drew used to be a young girl detective from the ages. Now she's of, a young boy detective. Uh, from the ages of like from like seventh grade up until graduating high school, she was out there solving mysteries, fighting crimes, being a girl boss, whatever the fuck that means. Being interested in a guy in a green shirt and traveling with a dog. Oh no, wait, that's Velma. Sorry, we all know Velma's gay. Yeah, we all know Velma's gay. Rest in peace, hot dog water. I like to think that, like, given that, like, it's implied that the uh, that the TV series continued on into the like original cartoon that she kept up with hot dog water, <laughs> you know, and that's why she didn't do any flirting around. Yeah, that was like, she's that... like they were pin pals while hot dog water was in college actually doing useful shit, and Velma was traveling the world, yeah. stopping. Yeah, they were in a long distance. People from being were, assholes. They were in a long distance relationship. They like just keep in touch, and then every and then like every month they get together and just fuck for an entire weekend. <laughs> What's Velma doing? Oh, I think she's studying with hot dog water. Uh, and Daphne just gives the knowing look. <laughs> yeah, the only one who doesn't get it is Scoob. Ah, uh, Fred doesn't get it either. <laughs> yeah, fair. He's, he's he's too busy trying to figure out he's too busy trying to figure out straight relationships. <laughs> oh, are they studying traps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to figure out how to use scissors to escape. Oh, I should go help them. No, 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 no. They want to figure it out on their own. Come on, Fred. I'll show you. Uh, I'll show you. Uh, something fun that you can do. Because if she if she started it on like I I'll show you a trap, then everybody'd be like, what? Yeah, it's like wait a minute, what? Uh, so so yeah, so so yeah, she was girl detective for years. Then her mom died of cancer. And she retired. Uh, now working at like this like local seafood place because this takes place in effectively a Twin Peaks, but just not interesting. <laughs> just a Pacific Northwest seaside town. Uh, and yeah, so she she's working at like a restaurant with uh two of her two of her like high school. 
classmates, a guy who was made up entirely for this show. And then meanwhile, she's fucking the she's fucking the uh, mechanic down the road. Who is also a character from the books. And the yeah, it's the unfortunately named Ned Nickerson. Why is that an unfortunate name? Because he's the Cause main he's black because he's black. <laughs> he goes by Nick. Uh. Yeah. And so while they are there, um, Ryan Hudson, a per a the eldest son of the like wealthiest family in town, shows up for a business deal and his wife is outside by the car. For whatever reason, she is not allowed inside the building. So instead, she goes off with Nancy to study scissors. Uh, Nancy brings her out some food, actually, and then she fucking dies. Uh, while uh, Nancy had like set up her phone to like film the fireworks because it was like a firework thing happening, but she apparently got the worst angle fucking possible because with her phone camera, she only got the parking lot. And in that video was a ghost. Oh, Lord. And so, yeah, it is a murder mystery of trying to figure out who killed Tiffany Hudson while also there is a ghost there. And that's spooky. And that's kind of the main thrust of like that first season. The first season is just them solve them trying to solve a murder mystery. And then when they kind of and then when they hit a point where like, oh, things are getting complicated. A ghost shows up and slaps the wall to to have everything non-important fall off. Like, literally, that's it. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, like, there's literally a point where Nancy, like, brings out a murder board. And it's like, all right, this is all the the pertinent information we have. And then the ghost just goes, ah! And then the board just explodes, and the only thing left on it is like, all right, that's the way forward. And that's kind of... Like, like it is set up with bones of a somewhat all-right mystery. It's and then the ghost slapped the murder board. Yeah, that's basically, that's basically it. It's like, all right, we're 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 getting forward. We are moving forward. We have a thing happening. Oh, look, a ghost is here. Okay. Because the ghost also plays into a secondary mystery that's kind of going throughout. Because for whatever reason, this murder appears to be connected to the death of a local town legend. Like 20 years prior, uh, a woman by the name of uh, Lucy... She like won like like oh got prom queen or whatever, and then fucking yeeted herself off a cliff. No one knows why. And then kind of since kind of since then, it's been like local town legend of if you win the prom queen thing, you gotta like fucking put your sea crown on her grave, otherwise bad shit happens or whatever. Just weird dumb local town legends of hey this person died, let's make it spookier. But it turns out all that was right because she just straight up is a ghost. And every character accepts bizarrely easily and bizarrely quickly that ghosts are just an objective fact now and we move on. Ah, so they live in the Scooby-Doo universe. Because it's not just ghosts. They also, like, there are witches and demons and sea spirits. And, like, the local town historical society has a literal locker room full of demon shit. In, this, in the fucking second season, one of the characters straight up dies, and so then they use a magic blanket to bring her back from, back to life from the dead. Which I'm then, sorry, uh, what? Yeah, w- yeah, one of the characters, George, uh, she gets harpooned, literally, 
a harpoon from uh, from their fucking sea-based restaurant falls off the wall and just impales her. So death has no meaning in this show. Oh no, it kind it kind of does because not everyone becomes a ghost and when she died, she was brought back with this shroud, but she was also brought back with the soul of a dead French woman from the 1800s trapped in her body. I'm taking off my glasses and rubbing the bridge of my nose. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask you, do you know where it's streaming in America? Uh, let me check. Wait, right, if it's CW, it's probably on HBO Max. Uh, might be on Seed. CWC, because I think that's still a thing. Nancy Drew. HBO Max. The first two seasons are on HBO Max. All right. I'm going to watch this shit. <laughs> yeah. And. And you so. Intersperse my uh, Disney uh, Marvel viewing with uh, Nancy Drew. <laughs> yeah. And so. Get to the end of the first season. This show is bad, so I'm assuming you don't care about spoilers. No, I do not give a shit about spoilers. Yeah, so get to the end of the first season, and we have the reveal of what was happening. They eventually, so they eventually learned that the intended murder victim was not Tiffany Hudson, but her husband, Ryan. What happened was... Well, that makes sense. Yeah, what happened was, Ryan used to date Lucy, the girl who killed herself. Oh, no. It was a secret relationship that the family, and that, like, her, that, like, Ryan's rich dad ended up just, like bullying her into sweeping under the rug and leaving town which led to her killing herself turns out she had been pregnant and somehow hid a nine month pregnancy from literally every person in town so she gave birth ta-da turns out that baby was Nancy ha 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 Surprise. And that's why and that's why this ghost has kind of been haunting Nancy, because it's the ghost of her dead mother. Well, birth mother. Uh, and so Lucy's brother was still in town. And he and uh, one of the cops working on, like, the local police force was also Lucy's best friend who had found out about all this shit. So she had snuck into, like, the police evidence lockup and stolen some poison that had been used by a serial killer in the area. Gave that to Lucy's brother, who then went to the restaurant and got an opportunity to sneak in and poison the salad that was going to be given to Ryan Hudson. But the chef fucked up and put dressing on it, which he specifically asked not to have. So takes the salad back. The chef then replates the salad for Tiffany, who's outside, not knowing it was poisoned. You don't waste good food. Exactly. I made this salad. I'm not going to fucking throw it out. Let me just scoop this onto a different plate. Boom. Here you go, lady. Hey, we're being nice to you for some reason. Don't read into it. Because they're being paid to because they work at a restaurant. But yeah, and then she just. Well, fucking... She wasn't even in the restaurant, so fuck uh, her. No, but the husband inside did order food to be brought out to her. Oh, OK. Never mind then. Yeah, they were being paid. Yeah, and so then that's all. It's all good. And so yeah, so that's that's what it was. Turns out, the murder was entirely accidental and meant for someone else. It wasn't entirely accidental. It was just meant for someone else. Yeah, and so it was. It was an attempted homicide that wound up with the death of another party. Yeah, and at a certain point in this season, 
the the core cast of characters plus one fucking jobber summon the ghost of the ocean to bring them Lucy's bones so they the can ghost of the ocean yes it is a sea spirit called the Aglaica a bizarre local legend that you're supposed to like that if you like conduct this ritual properly then the ghost then the Aglaica will come to you and grant you a wish so long as you pay the price their wish was we want this woman's bones so we can do like crime shit on it and figure out what happened to her for realsies that's how they found out that she was pregnant and that Nancy is Lucy's daughter then the ocean spirit was like all right for a price I'm gonna take all this jobber's blood and they're like no fuck that and then just leave which will then lead into season two for the most part. Oh yeah, and like midway through this season, they conduct like a seance or something to talk to Lucy's ghost more like directly, which then leads to them opening up this, which then leads to them opening up like this, like opening up essentially the world to more ghosts. It's very dumb. And they do the story again in the second season. Of course they do. Where like half, where like halfway through they are work, they're working on a problem. Halfway through, something happens that then leads to them having been responsible for more supernatural shit leaking into the world. And so much, there's so much. The and and like the first season, the entire events, of the first season lead into my least favorite storyline in all of fiction. Oh, fun. Which is the, I found out I'm adopted, so now my birth, so now my parents who have raised me since I, since for as long as I can remember are just strangers to me now. So, for those who don't Such know. Such lazy writing. For those who don't know, I'm adopted. I was adopted at birth. And, and, and we love him all the same. Yeah. I was adopted from birth, so, like, the situ- like a situation where it's like some some kid who's like fucking like four or five who has memories of their parents adopted by someone else that having that be you're not my real dad that is an entirely different situation but if you have been adopted from birth and have only known your parents as your parents finding out that you didn't pop out of them to me at least didn't change much and this idea that the second you find out that someone else pooped you out of their body (laughs) <laughs> suddenly suddenly the people who literally made you who you are are just strangers to you pisses me off because it feels so disrespectful to the adoptive parents like it's it's why I, it's why i hate the term real dad and real it's why i hate the term real parents i always use the term donors yeah I, that's all they did they donated sperm and donated an egg yeah i i go bio parents there's your parents and then there's your biological parents and again, for me, this... it's all dependent on how the how, like what the situation was, because if they don't deserve my respect, they're not getting it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is and this is purely a me thing. I do not know. I do not spend a lot of time in the adoption community. Because there is one of those. There's apparently a website you can go to that will actually like give you recommendations on movies to watch if you have adopted kids. Hmm. And apparently that site hates Stuart Little. Really? Yeah, because, you know, they adopt a mouse. Okay. 
and, and a bunch of other stuff too. But the main thing is, hey, we are humans. We are here for a human child. We'll take this mouse. And then every human child is like, the fuck, dude? It is a little weird. I mean, let's not deny that. But yeah, like like the second like she goes like second like Nancy goes back home, starts talking to her dad, and starts calling her mom by her mom's name and not mom. I was just like, oh, you oh. fuckers, don't you goddamn do that. Oh, it's so lazy. It's so lazy. It's so fucking lazy. And uh, again, I am completely open to the idea that this is just a me thing because. I found out I was adopted when I was single-digit age. So it could be entirely different if I found out I was adopted when I was, like, in my 20s. Uh, let, let, me, let me lay something on you, Dad. Uh, my bio dad is nothing but a sperm donor. He got my mom pregnant and then disappeared. My brother's dad tried his... He did his best to raise me and my brother with my mom until I was, like, seven? And he is the closest thing I have to a dad. Well, that's a bit different. That up is until, up until I got married and got my my like I am my wife my my wife's father's son-in-law, and he's a better dad to me than like most of the dads I've like tried to adopt. That is an that is an entirely different situation. <laughs> yeah, but I knew he wasn't my father. Is what I'm getting at. He was my dad. Uh uh-huh, yeah, and that is not what I'm talking about. It would it would be like it, it would be like if you had it'd be like if the person that you have is your dad. Dad was your dad from the second you were born, and then in your twenties you found out that you have no biological relationship to him. Hmm. I get what you mean in there. Yeah, like I for one thing I still I, don't get the behavior, but I get what you mean. For one thing, I have the brain weirdness because I'm on the spectrum. For another thing, I found out incredibly young. And the main reaction I had to it was, A, wait, there's an entire other family I could have been getting presents for this entire fucking time. <laughs> That's how I reacted when I found out I had a sperm donor. <laughs> and then the second thing was, for a day, I used my birth family's last name because I like different names. They sound fun. Like, before, like, like for whatever reason, just the idea of having a different name than the one I have, it, than the one I was born with, was like really fascinating to me as a child. So for a day, I was like, hey, my name is now this. The next day, I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? This is my name. And that's it. Because it was it was a, it was a neat thing. I was like, hey, a different name. Neato. I'm bored of this. Yeah. That happened twice in my life. Once when I found out I was adopted. And the second time when my mom married her second husband. He was like, hey, he's cool. I'm going to go with that last name. And then didn't. And then he turned out to be a shit. And now I go by dead. Good thing you changed your mind. Yeah. And now I go by dead. Hi. Yeah. So that was like the majority of the storyline of season two character wise for Nancy of just being mad at her dad because he didn't tell her that 20 years ago 20 years ago like a student who was like like her mom was a guidance counselor 
her her mom was counseling Lucy. Lucy called her to the cliffs when she was going to kill herself. Gave birth to Nancy. Gave it to the Drews and was like, "Hey, take care of my baby." Yeet. Go go yeet. And then they were like, "I mean, yeah, okay, we got a kid now." If we tell anyone, they're going to think we killed you. So yeah, we're so, so we're going to let a town myth be born out of this. Yeah, town myth was born. They also left for a year and then came back with the baby to be like, "Hey, we were away. We had a baby." I mean, if you're going to lie, lie big. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it's, it's like like for more than half of season two, that that's part of the storyline for the character. And I fucking hate it. Getting into season three now, uh, her bio dad is living on her couch with her and her dad. Oh, yay. And her and her bio dad and her dad are now a comedy duo. Oh, God, Lord. Yeah. Also, Why do you hurt me, Dad? Also, fun thing: her bio dad's a statutory rapist because her bio dad was cheating on his wife with George, who at the time when they were fucking was seventeen. God damn it! And they point that out in the show that that's wrong, and then just turn him into a comedy character still around with the main cast. <sighs> Yep. Oh, and then getting into the third season, uh, just last couple things. I don't, so I don't remember if this was this was the third season or not, but they had an episode that was serving as a backdoor pilot for a new show about Tom Swift. Who? He was another like character of that era, like a multi-billionaire inventor. Uh, he was the he's the one who the Taser was named after. Really? Yeah, because Taser is an acronym for the Thomas A. Swift electric rifle. Huh. Yeah. And so they turn him into a like hot shit millennial super gay black dude. <laughs> okay. Who nothing against this guy or the actor or anything walked into the show in the gayest way possible. <laughs> oh no. He like walked in but it felt like a sachet. When I walk into the room, I own it. Yeah, just comes in and is like, oh, right, you're gay. And it's like, you are unquestionably gay. Got it. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, hey, come on, man. Hey, come on, man. Ghosts and curses aren't real. Hey, super advanced AI in my watch. Where's the space rock I'm going to use for rocket fuel? Because that's oh, the plot, no. that's the plot of the episode. There's a magic rock for that fell from space that he wants to use for space fuel to make his dad accept that fact that he's gay. And then it's being guarded by ghosts, and he's like, "Ghosts aren't real." Let me get my laser gun. <laughs> like he straight up walks in there with a mega buster. He gets bodied every time because ghosts, I guess. And then we get into the third season, where the main antagonist is maybe, probably, uh, a centuries-old witch who is the great-great-grandmother of Nancy Drew. And also, uh, one of the characters, Bess, maybe trying to fuck her. The centuries-old witch? Yes. Good for her. Because <laughs> Bess is... Bess is a character from the original novels, uh... Apparently, in novels, George and Bess were both like Nancy's best friends and also her cousins. 
in this, uh, George is uh, Chinese and the daughter of a alcoholic medium. What you got a problem with my drinking? Yeah, and then Bess is a British woman who came here from England to try to uh, insert herself into her potentially biological family, which is incredibly rich. Hey, if you're gonna do it, do it. Yeah, they also made do best. It, do it. Yeah, they also made best gay. Sure, why not? Whatever. Uh, and her romantic interests over the course of the show has been one regular woman cop, an 18th century ghost of a French woman inside the body of one of her best friends, and a centuries-old witch. I'm gonna just say this girl's this girl's down for the strange. <laughs> no kidding. She yeah. likes him crusty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I apologize. Oh, I feel I feel bad for that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, uh, my apologies. This show also has unfortunately <laughs> broken me for ADR. What's ADR? Uh, ADR is uh, I'm trying to I can't remember the exact uh, acronym what it means, but it's like dialogue that is uh, recorded after a film after a scene has been filmed and then put it in post. Oh, like okay, line, like, like line replacements. So like, hey, like that line didn't work great. We didn't pick it up on the day. So we're just going to do it in post. <sighs> and like it is maybe just because of my headphones or something, but like it is some of the worst ADR I've ever heard. And now I can't not hear it in everything I watch. Like it, it is straight up. Like there are there are points where it sounds like the voice has changed to an entirely different person. That's awful for a single word. That's awful. Like the no. Yeah, it's like it's like his line is like it's like it's like all right, we gotta get back to the claw. We gotta get back to the claw and figure this out. It would be like we gotta back to the claw and figure this out. It's like some of the worst ADR and. The show also occasionally tackles some of like some like heavier things because with a character being with one of the main characters being black, they got to address racism at some point. And they okay do... the, as as a black person, yeah, you got to address racism. It's yeah. just really irritating when they like front load it and make it like the most serious issue of the episode. When quite often all that you need to do is say, "Dude, that's racist." Oh shit! I'm sorry, and that's the whole conversation. Yeah, with this, uh, they it's like the C storyline in two episodes, and I mean it's uh, it's, it's two, at least it's not the B storyline. Yeah, it's it's two separate storylines in two separate episodes. Yeah, in the um in the Tom Swift episode, uh, it is it is Nick acts a bit differently around Tom Swift, and then it's like yeah, because he's black, he gets it. And the girlfriend's like, wait, so you're a different person when you're around other black people? Yes. Yeah, and that's basically the thing. Just <laughs> Yes. Just the story the storyline is a question. The storyline would be a lot worse if he was dating a white woman, but because she's Chinese, it's a bit better. But it's the thing of it's the thing of, hey, if you are around people of your race who share similar cultural touchstones with you, you're gonna get it's you're gonna have shorthand that you don't have with other people. I don't even share all the touchstones with other black people that I should, and I still act differently around other black people. Like, if I'm on my own with another black person, there are things I will talk about that I will never talk about with my white friends, just because, like, I I just don't think about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think about it. Yeah, and the way the episode explains it, it's just... Yeah, certain unspoken things, certain just things that if you talked about it with anyone who didn't experience them too, it would just be you explaining it the entire time. Yep. 100%. Yeah. And then the other one was, hey, I'm trying to set up a youth center. And the coffee shop across the street is like, that's right. And the coffee shop in the building I want to set it up in is like, hey, if you bring in these undesirables, it will drive down my business. Uh... He dies the next season, so it's fine. Yay! Also, they have a real gotcha moment because he just because the dude just buys the building across the street from the coffee shop and sets up the youth center there. Because that's another thing that just fucking happens in the first season. Nick just becomes a fucking millionaire. Good for him. Just the woman who was murdered turns out she visited him in prison because Nick went to prison. Of course she did. And Sorry, it, of course he did. Yeah. Uh, long story short. He got into a fight with a guy defending a friend of his, and the guy ended up dying. So prison. Was it Nick's fault? Or... Uh, kind of, yeah. But they ultimately ruled it self-defense, I assume? Uh, no, he went to prison for a while. A few years. Okay, good. <sighs> yeah, like, he, that's he... justice. That's justice. Like... Uh, yeah, and so uh, Tiffany, actually, the woman who was murdered, was the witness who put him at the scene of the crime and essentially got him arrested. <laughs> But then she went. But then she went to talk to him in prison and was like, "Yeah, sorry, you're you're cool. Want to be bro- want to be bros? I'm gonna uh, leave everything to you in case I die mysteriously young. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Left him about five million dollars in bearer bonds. <laughs> Can I get somebody to do that to me? <laughs> Can I get like some ninety-five year old white woman to come to me like?" I- like you, Sonny. You run a good D and D game. Oh, she's here. It's a check for fifty thousand dollars. I'll be like, yes, thank you, ma'am. You want to be in the game? I'll go and kill one of my players right now. This one was in her thirties, just for reference. Yeah, but I, I don't want someone young. I don't. I don't want somebody young to die. I want somebody who's like, yeah, I'm gonna die soon, and I don't give a fuck. That's the kind of person I want to leave me stuff. I have done every drug imaginable. I've fucked every race, both genders, and now that there are new genders, I'm out getting some of those, too. I'm into the strange. (laughs) I am sorry I introduced this. I am sorry I introduced this thread into this episode. (laughs) Hey, check out Nancy Drew. It's not very good. Uh, something that is very good though the new psych movie psych it lives psych will never die (sighs) and I feel like I say this every time this is the best psych movie they've made so far I think you have said that pretty much every time which is a good sign yeah like this feels the I'm, I'm, this feels the closest to original Psych, just bigger. Uh, because like with the first with the first movie, uh, I felt like a lot of it didn't really play into like Sean's strengths with like his observation stuff and or like Gus, them thing. And like the main villain ended up being a character who was only in one episode of the later seasons who I completely forgot existed. 
Uh, for those who don't know, it was the uh, blonde lady who was introduced as the new accomplice to the yin-yang killer. She was going to be the new Yang to Frank Welker's... Or Frank Is it Frank? Peter Welker? The mm-hmm. Robocopsy, Mr. Yin. I think, I think it might be Peter Weller. Double... Peter Weller, yes, that is. That is who it is. Yeah, he was Mr. He was Mr. Yin, who was a notorious serial killer. There's a whole thing. They did a whole like trilogy of episodes about it. It was great. Uh, Psych Movie 2 was built entirely around Lassie, who at the time Timothy Amundsen was recovering from a stroke and was not able to stand up or properly emote. And he was still a damn good actor in that film. Yep, it just kind of limited what they could do. I feel bad every time I say it. Because I know in this situation, it's not a question of am I the asshole? I am the asshole. But having one of your actors not be able to move really kind of limits what you can do. And I respect everyone on that crew and in that team for letting, for, for giving. Timothy Thomas the time to both recover and then also bringing him back in a very big way and fucking straight up literally writing a movie around the fact that he needs to recover so that he can still be in it. Like, I, th- I think one of the things like I heard from like behind the scenes, uh, this may, I may be misremembering this, but I think like for a chunk of it, Timothy was like having trouble remembering his lines. So they had someone with cue cards standing directly behind the camera. Just so, like, they could, like, just because they needed him in the movie, because they wanted him in the movie, because he's such an important member of this, of this, like, team. Which, that's great. That is, kudos to everyone involved in the psych property for, for putting Timothy's needs before the needs of the movie. Good for y'all. Movie didn't turn out great. Still really enjoyed it, but it was... In some ways better, in some ways worse than the first. In in Psych 3, this is Gus. It feels... Oh, it feels like home. Uh, Timothy has gotten significantly better. He is like... He's like emoting a lot more. He's able to... He's able to like deliver lines a lot more... A lot better feeling more like his old character. Uh, he still doesn't move around a whole lot just because, again, recovering from a fucking stroke. Yeah, you have a stroke, you get some time to recover. You get a pass. Yeah, but it does seem like the recovery is going very well. And they use him a lot better. And because the storyline for this thing for Lassie specifically is the reason he was in the bed in the first movie is because he was like shot a lot. He was like working on a case and they got shot like four times in the back. And with this, he is back on the job, but still recovering. And he's like, okay, yeah, I if I can't go out there and like solve crimes like I used to, what is my purpose? Just like having this existential crisis of what can he do if he's not a cop while still having kids? Like, yeah, I have kids, but I'm a cop, dude. <laughs> that is 100% Lass. Yeah, that's Lassie. <laughs> like, no questions. That is That is exactly how Lassie would react. Yeah, and then the main storyline of the movie is Gus and Sean trying to track down Gus's fiance's current husband so they can finalize the divorce and he can get married. So, 
like one of the B plots of Bones? Uh, kind of, but it's played a lot better because it's Psych and not Bones. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, his fiance, uh, Selene, is pregnant, and they are essentially like we have to get we have to get married before the baby is born because I will not birth a bastard. Both of them are like that. Well, no, so well, they're psychos. Sorry, sorry, Gus is like that. Selene <laughs> is like, yeah, I want to marry Gus and I want to have a baby. I don't really care what order they come in. Good. Yeah, it's just Gus being you know his super anal insane person. Yeah, that that as a bastard, there's nothing wrong with being a bastard. Yeah. I guess technically I'm a bastard too. Cuz my birth parents were not but, together when I was born. Yeah, then you are you are by definition a bastard. Welcome to the club. I'll uh, make sure that you get your uh, membership pin. Do we get any benefits beside the pin? You ain't even getting a pin, bro. We ain't got the money for that. (laughs) (laughs) Any chance I'll get to beat the bastard Pac? No. Damn it. Not at all. None whatsoever. Son of a bitch. This cop sucks. (laughs) You get the moral support of other bastards calling you a bastard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go reapply to the autism club. I think we get better benefits there. Anyway, hey, they're not mutually excuse, exclusive. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's the main storyline. Just trying to fit, just trying to find Selene's husband and get that divorce finalized. Uh, but then things get complicated as they learn that Selene has been lying about her both her name and the circumstances surrounding her former husband. Oh. Uh, meanwhile, Sean is, you know, Sean and Juliet, despite being broken up in real life, are still together in the show. And with Gus and Selene having a baby, that's kind of gotten them talking about, like, reassessing whether or not they want to try to have kids. Because they apparently decided previously, yeah, we're good. We're, we have our careers. We have our stuff going on. We are fine not having kids. Wait, do we want kids? <laughs> that's how it always goes in television. Yeah. Honestly, that's how it goes in real life, too, because my wife and I have, like, had that debate several times of, nah, we're good without kids. Do we want to have kids? Yeah, nah, we're and, good. And it's just super fucking fun. It's just, it's great. It really feels like they found their rhythm and they're back in, like, middle of psych, like, seasons, like, three, four, five. It's just, it's so nice that this, that this property keeps existing and that it keeps being, like, of this level of quality. Like, and I, when I say that, I mean, like, the range of quality from, like, the worst of Psych to the best of Psych, because even the worst of Psych is still pretty good. And do you have a train going by your house? Yep. This is the first time I've not, heard it's, that. It's not very close to my house, but this is the loudest motherfucking train I've heard in weeks. And usually they go by in the middle of the night. You know, when I'm dead asleep and don't hear them. Yeah, this is the first time I've ever heard anything like that. In like the what, like six years we've known each other? Feels like it's been longer. Yeah, that's how most things go with me. <laughs> I wasn't saying this is a bad thing. <laughs> I, I know. Anyway, yeah. Psych 3, this is Gus. It's great. If you like Psych, you've probably already seen it. 
if if you haven't, I fully I do recommend this fully. It is a it's a great movie. It's great seeing everyone back, even if Corbin Burnson has kind of fallen off in my eyes just because of all the shit he does with Christian Mingle. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Yeah, psych. It's great. I moved on to another great show that uh, unfortunately was killed before its time. I started watching Reaper again. Oh, that show was great. It's great, right? I love that show. Yeah, and Friday nights on, I think, uh, the WB before it was the CW. Yeah, and fucking somehow uh, those characters still exist and are alive somewhat in media. Really? Yeah, uh, have you ever heard of a show called Kevin Probably Saves the World? Yes. Yeah, they showed up in that show. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, apparently in episode 14, which I have not been able to fucking find. <laughs> uh, they, uh, like Kevin, the main character, uh, just kind of is going around doing stuff. And then he runs into Sam and Sock in a car on the side of the road. Both characters named Sam and Sock played by the same actors. That's and, awesome. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Reaper was a show from like 2007, 2008. I think that area time. Yep. Right. Right about there. About a guy by the name of Sam Oliver, a 21 year old uh, work guy working at a big bot, working at like a home hardware, Home Depot style store uh, who learns that his parents sold his soul to the devil before he was born. And now he has to work for a, as a bounty hunter for hell, capturing escaped souls. If you can't tell, it's a comedy. Yeah, it, yeah it's a comedy show. Uh, it's uh, starring uh, a bunch of actors who you probably never, you probably haven't heard of, uh, with the exception of uh, Tyler Labine, who is a uh, sock, his best, one of his best friends. Uh, potentially Rick Gonzalez, who plays his other best friend. Uh, he was Wild Dog in the Arrowverse, which I know that's a fairly big thing. And then also Ray Wise, the great. The never not the never shitty Ray Wise as the devil. The devil in that is yeah, he's great. He is fantastic. He is wonderful as the devil. <laughs> he's a good devil. Yeah, and so yeah, like every episode, a new soul escapes from hell, which then manifests itself in a new supernatural way for Sam. Because every episode, because every time a new soul escapes, he gets some new power kind of thing. Well, I say power. It's just just a thing that annoys him. Yeah, it 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 purports to being a superpower, a really annoying one. <laughs> yeah, like uh, any like for one episode, the, like the spirit was a lady made entirely of bugs, and so anything that Sam put in his mouth himself turned into a cockroach. Yep, it was gross. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, awesome, but it was gross. There was a guy made of lightning, and that just gave Sam like static buildup, so he shocked himself every time he touched anything. Mm-hmm. And the powers were meant to lead him to the threat. Yeah, just give him like, an idea. It wasn't of, just the devil fucking with him. Yeah, it was partially the devil fucking with him, but it was also like, hey, this will lead you to the threat and also give you an idea of what the threat does. Because every time a soul escapes from hell, it gets powers based on what it was in life. Uh, like like the first guy they fight, he was a pyramid. He was a uh, he was a pyromaniac, so he got pyrokinesis. Uh, and the, like other ones kind of along that vein and to capture them they were given a vessel which 
according to the show, is a vessel. The vessel is specifically designed for each Reaper because the devil because the banner hunters are called Reapers. It's uh, really designed for each soul, for each Reaper to capture a specific soul. The one Sam given, the one Sam's are, Sam is given, uh, implied that he's a dumbass. Which, to be fair, he kind of is. Like the first thing he gets is a is a uh, dirt devil handheld vacuum cleaner. Yeah, I remember the dirt devil. That's the only one I remember. Uh, there was a taser gun. Uh, Wait, cig- doesn't he get antennas at some point? Uh, don't remember that one. But I'm only like I'm only like partway through season one on a rewatch. Mm. Uh, he got a remote control car that was used as a lightning rod. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, uh, he had a toaster that started out broken. They fixed and then realized that it had to be broken to work as a vessel because it it, wor- it worked like a bug zapper. You just like hit it, it starts sparking. You throw it underneath the bugs, and it just sucks them on like a Ghostbusters trap. We ain't scared of no ghosts. I think one of them was just a pistol. Uh, oh, one of them was like some kind of fan where he would like blow it on person. Like, oh, fuck it, it's not working. And they remember, they learned they had to flip it around so that it sucked the soul into it. Hmm. Just like a lot, a lot of like really Whatever. interesting stuff like that where they will like be given this really simple vessel, completely misunderstand how to use it, and then figure it out later on. And. Like, this show played a lot for laughs, and it was actually really good at that. Yeah, it was very funny. Like, it, 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 it has aged a bit. Because they occasionally make some gay and transsexual jokes. Not not like super, like, yo, fuck, yo, fuck trans people or fuck gay people, just like... The, just like the, not homophobic, it's just the jokes of the time. Yes. Yeah, hasn't aged, yeah, like I said, hasn't aged super well. It is very much of its time, but I think it largely passes because the rest of the jokes aren't that. And yeah, like Tyler the Bean is great in this show. Like I forgot how ride or die Sock and Ben are. Oh yeah, no, because Sock has nothing to really do with it. Like it's like, hi, I'm your best friend, and then it's like, oh, you've been cursed to serve the devil by hunting down uh, aberrant souls before they can do harm. That is sick as fuck. I'm, I'm in. in. I am in. Yeah, like even like even before like Sock knew about this stuff, he was still kind of ride or die because there was a point where uh, like Sam was being like run down by a pack of dogs in the store because of de- because of devil shenanigans. At which mm-hmm. point Sock sees this and is like, "All right, I'm in." Puts on a fucking like leaf blower and then scares the dogs away. And it, it's it's just very funny of just like how entirely like. Like late two thousand slacker, this guy is like he's in his twenties and still lives with his parents, which at the time was seen as a bad thing. But now it's seen as a necessary thing because the economy is so fucked and housing is so expensive. But the second it gets into a situation where he like has to help Sam, he is gung ho a hundred percent in at all times. Yeah, and it, it kind it kind of sucks for Sock because he's relegated to the sidekick role when he does a lot of the work. He does so much, like he does a lot of the work. A lot of the physical work, like like, like a lot of the physical work is done by Sock. Then a lot of the like information finding stuff is like kind of spread out through all of them, but a lot of it's done by Ben because Ben just kind of knows things. Ben is the smartest out of all of them, with the exception of Andy, who is kind of not involved. 
for the majority. Because, yeah, like every other show, it's got a love interest, and it's Andy. And I, I say that disparagingly. I like Andy. She's a fun character who has a lot going on outside of just being Sam's love interest. Wasn't she, like, constantly judgmental and disbelieving of the two of them? Not really. That You're thinking more of the, uh, ma- you're thinking more of the manager? Ah, something, you know. Yeah, Andy is... Andy is kind of down for a lot of the shenanigans they get up to, but she's also more responsible. Like, like, uh, like for the first half of the first season, uh, there's like a worry that she will leave the workbench entirely, which is the store they work at. Just leave the workbench, mm-hmm. leave the group entirely, and go back to college. But then she's like, "No, fuck this! I don't like college. I like working at the bench with you guys." And I know that feeling. Yeah, she like has stuff she is doing. She has like aspirations outside of. She is a full character that I like. Which, for some of these shows, that's a high bar to clear. Yeah, that's why his name's Sock. Yeah, Bert Wysocki. His last name is Wysocki. Yeah. Also, there's that... Like, I, I, love, I love when they, like, come up, obviously come up with a nickname first. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and there is a very bizarre bit in season two... Where he fucks a stepsister. What? Yeah, you don't remember that? No, I do not. Yeah, in season two, his uh, his mom like leaves for a while and then comes back married, and that married guy has a kid around their age, like around Sock's age, and he finds her fucking hot as hell, and you know, she's like, "Hey, we're family now," and he's like, "Oh." I am in my 20s and just met you for the first time three days ago. I can't see you as family. Step bro, help me. Yeah. They eventually fuck. Okay. And then she leaves the show entirely. <laughs> Probably for the best. Yeah. Again, it's it's not like it's not like they have been raised together for five years and are like deeply connected family wise. It is they've no, known each other. It's not like for... the fucking Brady Bunch movie. Yeah. They've <laughs> known each other for like two weeks. Man, the Brady Bunch movie got weird with their uh step sibling uh, uh subplot. Sure, Jan. I've never watched a Brady Bunch movie and I need to do. Oh, it, it's 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 weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I want to watch it. I'm not watching it with you. You're on your own for that one. Yeah, fine. I I watch movies by myself. No, that's not possible. Everything has to be recorded for the podcast. Yeah. Also, weird thing. Army Hammer's in this show. For those who don't know, Army Hammer, uh, he was the Lone Ranger. He was uh, the Winklevoss twins of the social network. And he's a fucking cannibal. Like, in real life. It is wild. Oh, also, abuse and rape allegations. Which is so weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's all weird. Yeah, so uh, this show was unfortunately canceled after two seasons. Uh, And... There's been, like, talks, like, long talks about, like, hey, can we bring the show back? Hey, it's awesome. It's great. And apparently, uh, like, talking with an interview with the creators, uh, they actually had, like, detailed some of their plans for season three. 
which sounds interesting. Uh, some of those plans included uh, Andy going to work at the DMV with Gladys, which is a portal to hell. Because, because I can see that. Because by the end of season two, the devil now also owned Andy's soul. Because again, like, like these characters are are idiots, but they're not dumb. Like, like they, they 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 know how to research information. They know how to analyze stuff to a certain degree. They're also just kind of like dumbasses, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like you can be stupid and still be smart. Yeah, like it's like Sam. It's different types of intelligence. Yeah, like Sam, in order to try to win his soul back from the devil, challenges the devil to a game of quarters. Because A, Sam's great at quarters, and B, they know how to fuck him up. Because the devil is obsessed with his like vanity and his own reflection, so they actually set up a the game on a reflective table. Oh no. So the devil is like constantly distracted by looking at himself in the reflection of the table and keeps fucking up and missing the shots and quarters. That is brilliant. But then and it's not cheating either. It's just manipulating the rules of the game. Yeah. But then that an brilliant. Yeah, but then a demon who had actually ascended back into being an angel comes back and breaks Sam's hand. So he loses the game. The fuck? Because Sam working for the devil is somehow part of God's plan. Fuck. Oh, Oh, man, I'm so glad I don't remember that because I hate it whenever a show claims that bullshit. Yeah, which then leads to them losing the game and the devil staking claim on Andy's soul. Because Andy, that, Andy by the end of season two is dating Sam and is also fully aware of everything happening with him. And also throughout, throughout, this, throughout the second season, it is also hinted at or explicitly stated that Sam is the son of the devil. Uh, get us hmm. get to season three. Turns out, devil's just lying the entire time. What actually happened was Sam's dad is a demon. Sam's dad is fully a demon who fell in love with Sam's mom, wanted to marry her, but couldn't because he was a demon. So he made a deal with the devil to turn him human. That's why when he got murdered, he came back as a zombie. Because he's also because he's technically a demon. Okay, and that's why Sam has a lot of this power stuff because he's half demon. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's neat. Pretty cool. Uh, we will never see that in actual like filmed because season three never happened, and they probably won't revive this show because I feel like nobody but us remembers Reaper. Well, if you uh, care at all about Reaper, someone start a. Uh... One of those petition thingies. Yep, it's only been a decade. Come on, we can get the original actors back. Yeah, they're apparently Most of down them to, anyway. They're apparently down to play these characters still. The non-cannibal ones we can get back. Yeah, uh, the, the Army Hammer was a minor character who showed up in like three episodes and then was never seen again. Yeah, but it's a funny bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, so. Okay, yeah, so the, both these shows were created by the same people. Okay. The reason why the Reaper character showed up and Kevin probably saves the world is because they're made by the same people. Uh, Michelle, well, let's get a Reaper spinoff from yeah. Kevin probably saves the world. Michelle, Michelle Fazakas, sorry, I butchered that name, and Tara Butters. They created both shows. Did you ever watch Kevin probably saves the world or have heard of it? I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's weird. It is a... This dude named Kevin 
has who is just this like kind of down as luck dropout guy who attempted to kill himself. Uh, he gets pr- approached by an angel of God and tells him that Kevin is tasked with making sure that 36 righteous souls are born into this generation. If they don't, then humanity's doomed. Okay. So what is his solution? He, and he is guided by the angel to try to find these souls and make sure that they are born healthy and make sure that they live to fulfill their purpose of saving the world. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, if his goal is to just impregnate a bunch of women no, his, and hope. His, his goal is not to just fucking pump out babies. These babies will be born regardless of him. He just needs to make sure that they live long enough to do what they're supposed to. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, the... This is maybe the guys made Reaper. They don't. They're not that fucked up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that show lasted a season before it got canceled. I look forward to the next somewhat religious themed comedy series out of Physicus and Butters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, uh, I've been watching Hawkeye, the new Marvel mm. show going to be getting to that eventually once I get to that in the timeline. Yeah. It is very good. I really like street level superheroics in Marvel especially. And this, while it does have larger implications, it's the Hawkeyes versus the tracksuit mafia. It's very street level. I think that's one thing I really like about Spider-Man as a hero is that he straddles the line perfectly between street level and like the whole planet. I, cause he wants to be a local hero, but keeps getting dragged into the higher level shit. Yeah. I prefer him being friendly neighborhood. I'm not that I, I, I like him in the bigger stuff. I just prefer the stories of the smaller stuff with him. Like spider verse is very good. That is the pretty much the only like massive storyline involving Spider-Man that I'm like, yes, this is 100% necessary that Spider-Man is involved in this. A lot of other stuff, I'm just like, like Spider-Man feels out of place here. But I still like him in it. It's Spider-Man's good. Yeah, so with this, uh, it is largely pulling from the uh, Matt Fraction, David Aja, Hawkeye run in terms of like tone and characterization. Which, if you haven't read the Fraction Aja run, do. It's very good. This is the introduction of Kate Bishop into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, played by Haley Seinfeld, who is a fucking perfect choice. She is a really good actress. I really like her. She's been in... She's actually kind of been popping off lately in a lot of stuff, Voice, both in, like, voice acting work and in, like, live-action acting. And she is a surprisingly solid voice actor. That's always the issue, like, you run into with getting live action actors try to do voice acting because like hey they're a name get them in it and they end up sucking because voice acting and live action acting are different skill sets but I think Haley Seinfeld does a very solid job uh, she's also the main character in Arcane the uh, Netflix League of Legends show which you can watch and enjoy even if you don't even if you hate League of Legends in its entirety still not going to watch it I say <laughs> directing at no one in particular still not going to watch it <laughs> Uh, 
and yeah, so she is Kate Bishop. Um, they do make her a bit more fangirly in this one, in this iteration of the character. Which, not the biggest fan of. But I think the rest of it is very... I think the rest of it still feels very Kate Bishop, and she does a great job with the character. Uh, Clint, this is this is pulling... Kind of with a lot of the Marvel stuff, with Hawkeye specifically, it's pulling more from the Ultimate Universe, which is the darker, grittier, more fucked up version of Hawkeye. Because in the comics, in the regular Marvel comics, Hawkeye, a bit funner, a bit Kills his family. Yeah. In, in regular Hawkeye, in regular Marvel, not Ultimate Marvel. Oh, sorry. Yeah, in regular Marvel, he's a bit lighter, he's a bit more fun, he still, he still like, gets really fucked up and goes deaf. So it's that history of being like taught by a circus of criminals, but he is a more optimistic character in the comic, in the, the ultimate comics, his family dies, rips off his fingernails to kill like three people with him. The man is a nightmare. He carries guns. I like the ultimate universe. The ultimate universe has problems. I hate the ultimate universe. Because it's just, hey, let's do worse versions of all your favorite characters. I like exactly one thing about the Ultimate Universe, and that's that they admit that Reed Richards is a villain. Yeah, Reed Richards goes full evil. Uh, To the point where uh, Sue Storm tries to kill him by creating a force field inside of his skull. Didn't work. But, you know. A for effort. And yeah, so this this Hawkeye kind of like rides the line where he is, where he can be like fun and jokey about stuff, but he still has that incredibly dark past about him. Which him having his family involved, because his family is secondary ancillary characters. Like the the goal for this show is we need to f- we need to solve this thing in like five days because that's when Christmas is and I promised my family I'd be home for Christmas. And I don't want any of my kids singing crappy Christmas songs. Okay. Yeah. I don't want I don't want them singing the fucking Rogers the musical opening number. I don't want to be jo- Jonathan Taylor Thomas because they actually they opened up the movie they opened up the show with Hawkeye at a performance of Rogers the Musical, which is a Broadway musical adaptation of the Avengers fighting the Chitauri invasion. And that's one of the reasons why I got back into the Marvel verse, because I want to get to that, but I want to, I don't want to miss anything that might have a tie in in it. Yeah. I will say that given what we've talked about with Hawkeye, you will not like this Rogers the Musical bit because when they get to Hawkeye, the lyrics are Hawkeye's here and he's pretty cool, I guess. No, but that's that's the fun part for me, because like um, in Avatar, they have the uh, Ember Island players do a shitty Avatar. It's fun to me because I know they're making fun of all the dumbasses who don't get the characters. Okay, you know what I mean? Yeah, now, okay. that's fun. That's fun. That's not. Oh God, I can't believe they're doing this. That's yeah. fun. Okay. Yeah, and so villain wise, um, for the show, it's the it's the tracksuit mafia, which is this like. Russian gang of dumbasses who say bro every other, every alternate word and all wear tracksuits because naturally uh, but this time they are they actually have a competent leader in Maya aka Echo a character from the comics who 
is like Daredevil, but with hearing gone instead of sight. Like in the, like she is deaf, uh, but in the comics she has a photoreflexive memory, kind of like Taskmaster, where anything she sees she can do. Uh, in the in the in the show, uh, it's more just kind of she is way more observant, so she's able to like see how see how shit moves, see people's like intent in their movement, and then counter before they really get to move. Also in the show, she has prost- kung fu. also in the show she has a prosthetic leg. Because I think the actress is both deaf and has a prosthetic leg. Oh, that's cool. So they just work that in. Uh, also in the comics, she is the adoptive daughter of the Kingpin. And they have teased that the Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin will be in this show. So that's cool. People freak the fuck out whenever the Netflix stuff gets brought up. Like, like the funny. Oh God, who who played Kingpin in the original Daredevil movie? Uh, Michael Clark Duncan. I'd like him to come back. He's as dead. Kingpin. Oh, I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's been dead for years. I actually like. It wasn't like the best, but I actually prefer the uh, Matt Damon uh, Daredevil. You mean Ben Affleck? The, yeah, the Ben Affleck Daredevil to the Netflix Daredevil. I. Don't that, that 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 Ben Affleck Daredevil was kind of awful. Now you understand how I feel about the uh, Netflix Daredevil. I did not like it at all. Okay, <laughs> and everybody's just sitting around praising the crap out of it. I'm like, no, it's it's mediocre at best, and you're all sitting there saying it's pretty. It's just like boring law drama with extended fight scene cut in and pie okay i watched 3 episodes of it and couldn't get couldn't stomach it anymore huh. daredevil's the only uh, uh marvel netflix show that i finished with the exception, None of them have that claim for me. Cause... With the exception of The Defenders, because that was one season, because of course it was. <laughs> but yeah, like, like everyone everyone talking about like bringing the Netflix stuff back is like, man, I can't wait for them to bring back all these awesome Netflix characters. And they show like an image set of like, like Charlie Cox's Daredevil, um, Mike Coulter's Luke Cage, uh, Jessica... Uh, he was great. Yeah, Kristen Ritter's Jessica Jones. And then she was great. And then just, I couldn't watch Jessica yeah. Jones because it was too depressing. Yeah. And then and then uh, Jessica Winnick is Colleen Wing. A.K.A. Okay, I don't know who that character uh, is. She is the uh, main female lead in the Iron Fist show. Because no uh, one wants Iron Fist back. Up, uh, beat up the uh, beat up the poor people show. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Pretty much everyone is saying like, hey, let's get Jessica Winnick back as as uh, Iron Fist, because they do not want Finn Jones back as Iron Fist. There's like, yes, fuck Danny Rand. Get him the fuck out of here. Give his powers to Colleen Wing. I'm looking forward to when I get to Shang-Chi, honestly. Um, you say that, but like everything I've seen about it makes it feel more like the movie that I want. Like, a kind of silly kung fu action movie. Yeah, I know. It's... 
So yeah, I watched. I also watched Shang Chi. I wasn't going to talk about it just because I had other things I want to talk about. But yeah, I watched Shang Chi and I did not enjoy it. I didn't enjoy like a lot of the like like all the comedy fell super flat for me. Um, character drama stuff. I felt like it would have been a lot better if they had a different actor as Shang, just because the the lead guy. I think he is an incredible martial artist, a great stunt person, and an all right actor. I don't feel like he had the, I do not feel like he had the charisma to play this character convincing. He didn't have the charisma to like engage me with the character and he didn't have the chops to like play off a lot of the drama stuff with his dad, which is kind of like the main emotional thrust of the story. And then you get to the end and then like, it's like the ending. It wasn't, it was the equivalent of like the blue sky laser without being a blue sky laser. And so many times when I was watching that movie, I would just look at I would just look at the time remaining and it's like, how is there still this much of it left? <laughs> I found Aquafina to be insanely irritating and the action got progressively worse and like progressively less interesting just because they kept just because it's like the bus scene is fantastic. That opening bus scene with the opening fight is phenomenal. Uh, the next fight with uh, the the next fight in the um, like scaffolding on the side of the building, in terms of set piece fights, that was also really fun. It like the lighting, the lighting helped with it a lot. Having it be like the reflection and like on this like rickety, the rickety bamboo scaffolding was a interesting place to have the fight scene, and it played really well. I thought, uh, but then they from there just kind of get kept getting more and more CG and just like lost a lot of what I enjoyed about the fighting. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I thought of Shang-Chi. It was still infinitely better than Iron Fist. The only the only other thing that would be like comparable because they're both martial arts series. Mm-hmm. Like at least they got a real martial artist for Shang-Chi and then shot it properly. Not have an actor to have him have 15 cuts in a fight in a file room. Look like Liam Neeson trying to jump a fence. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, that was what we're watching then. Uh, News-wise, I've been kind of slacking on finding news stuff just because not a lot of the news stories that I've been seeing have been interesting to me lately. Like, none of them have grabbed me in any real way. With the exception of one that is like a month old, but I want to talk about it because we haven't talked about it on a podcast. Man, don't make me feel bad for opting out of these. <laughs> so One Piece. Oh, no. We had live action cast. No. We have our core five of our like East Blue Straw Hats. I don't know how to feel because on the one hand, I know this show is going to be awful. Like regardless of the, regardless of the like uh, enthusiasm and effort that the, that the crew and staff and everything on the show are putting in, the show is going to be bad. One piece is kind of a prime example of stuff that will not work in live action. Because one piece in its DNA 
is a drawing. E- either in either an animated or in a comic book, because the main character is made of rubber. He's literally a like squash and stretch animation brought to life. And you know my favorite thing about that? What's that? There's at least one person who's like, hey, it works in all the Fantastic Four movies. No, it doesn't. For one thing, there has not been there has been one good Fantastic Four movie, and I think it was not meant to be released. And two, Reed Richards looked like a regular person for the most of the time, and then stretched out, but it also looked really fucked up there. Luffy looks like a cartoon. And is constantly stretching himself. Constantly. Yeah, every single thing about him is like, I am bouncy and made of rubber. It screams that about him. Even when he gets buff, he still looks like a rubber band. Yeah. But I will say for like, the majority of the cast... They really look the part. Like, really, like, like the actor who plays Usopp. The second I saw him, I was like, oh, is that Yasop? Because he looks like his dad. Like, I'm, I'm going to see, like, they released wanted posters for all these actors. I'll send you the. Uh... I've got it. Okay. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. Uh, so Jacob Romero Gibson. With the exception of the impossible nose, he looks like a fucking Usopp. Uh, the the guy, that, the guy, oh. that, yeah, the guy they have the played. The guy who's, who's who's doing Zoro looks pretty solid. Yeah, like, if and he closes actu- one eye. I could yeah. see him as Zoro. And actually, that dude is a martial artist with history as a swordsman because he was also the main bad guy in the final Roroni Kenshin live action movie. Wow! Yeah, you the wow. These guys, right? This, this gives me the tiniest amount of hope. Yeah, uh, like the guy playing Sanji, uh, Taz Skyler. They're all too old, but they've a- they've aged up everyone. Yeah, like with the exception of I think Luffy, because uh, in Yaki Godoy, uh, the guy, I'm probably butchering your name, and I'm sorry. Oh yeah, the actor playing uh, Luffy uh, in Yaki Godoy, uh, he is I think like the youngest person for the cast. Let's see if I can actually find a person. I'm going to watch this. Him. I don't want to watch it, but I'm going <laughs> to. Like, just, I'm going to say that right here. I don't want to watch this. I'm going to. Uh, yeah, he's 18 years old. Which even he think is too old. Cause I think Luffy's like 16. Uh, I am checking. Well, you're the one who knows more about this. So uh, Luffy debuts at 17. 17 okay so yeah he's he's fine he's yeah fine. and like personality wise because like this was this was announced in a video of like all of them like talking like hey i'm this guy i'm playing this person he has the energy of a luffy he's like super loud super excitable uh and then emily rudd uh she is still playing nami i have not seen her anything i know she was in like one of the fear street movies and from what i've seen on twitter oh she was good yeah, she from, was good. And from what I've seen on Twitter, she spends a lot of her time just shit posting. <laughs> so, like, I don't hate any of this cast. They all seem like they were like, like I think like an announcement that like either Oda or part of his team made one of the like core things when trying to find cast was like looking at their hands and mouths. 
hmm, interesting. Yeah, and so like Oda is super down for these guys. Um, the people making the show seem to have a lot of like really. They seem it seems like they have like a lot of love for this material, at least like the people on the creator side do. Because I'm pretty sure Inyaki Godoy didn't start reading One Piece until he got the role of Luffy. I need to catch up on One Piece. Yeah, you do. Uh, but yeah, this entire thing seems seems doomed to fail, but I'm interested in watching it burn. I hope they give uh, Jacob Romero Gibson a nose prosthetic. I don't. I do. I, I want. I want him to have the nose. I and I want. I want uh, Taz Skyler to have the curly eyebrow. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I can feel the irritation. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like you're trying to make this a fan film. That's what it should be. Like they need to it. Like adaptation requires some change. It's a nose prosthetic and a curly eyebrow. <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's literally known as the big nose. <laughs> like that is one of Usopp's things. Yeah, I know. I'm just and curly brows is one of Sanji's nicknames. I know. I just I. I do not see that happening. I could see the curly brow, but not the like prosthetic nose, because all you need for the curly brow is just like touch it up with an eyeliner pen. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. I this is going to fail, but I want to watch it happen. And I really, I like hearing that like all of the production staff care really gives me hope, and I'm worried that that's going to get smashed into the mud. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It is gonna be rough. Yeah, so uh, I think this is like potentially going to be coming out in like 2022, 2023 around then. And this is like based on episode titles that have been, I think, leaked at some point. Uh, they're going to be doing up to them going to the Grand Line. Cool. I mean, my favorite episode is. Um... My favorite episode, is, my favorite episode, my story, my favorite story arc is uh, uh, Water Seven. Yeah, that's everyone's. So, yeah, followed closely by Innie's Lobby. Um, yeah, that entire like that entire like saga. It's so good. It's so good. Um, so I actually, I actually, I kind of want to see the Soke King uh, storyline in live action now. So yeah. I know I know it's just up to the grand line, but yeah, you look at titles. It's uh there's Romance Dawn, Captain of Eight Thousand Men, Cooks of the Sea, Tangerine Grove, uh, Grand Line, and then a couple other ones in between. Okay, so wait, is are they like short, super shortening or something? Yes, they're doing. Oh. They are doing from they are doing from 
the first chapter to them going to the Grand Line in 10 episodes. Ew. Because, again, this is a live-action television show. They can't do... like There is no way they will be guaranteed for hundreds of episodes. I'm just, like, I'm disgusted at the super shortening thing. Just, uh, Those are also going to be, like, probably, like, 45 minutes long. <laughs> You're talking about uh, 300 episodes worth of material? I'm aware. <laughs> I'm also aware that they can't do that. Like, if this, like, if this show, if you wanted the show to, like, do the same kind of, like, pacing and anything, by the time this, by the time this season was done, they would have gotten Zorro. I'm I, I'm not I'm not upset about them shortening it. I'm upset about them shortening it to that extreme. Cause that is extreme. Yeah, but we'll like, see. How it goes. I'm okay with speeding up the pacing. I, I honestly think that one one of One Piece's biggest problems for me is that it feels like some of the story arcs get stretched out a little bit, especially in the early part. And honestly, like the mid part is where it hit the butter zone for her uh, arc length for me. And then after that, it was like, holy shit, this is how long are we dealing with Don Flamingo? <laughs> how uh, many, how many chapters upon chapter? It's like 300 chapters of Don Flamingo. I'm sick of Dofi. Okay. It's Do Flamingo. Don Sorry, Quixote, Do Flamingo. It's okay. Sorry. It's just, uh, I hated him as a character and it went on too long. Yeah. And like the la- the latest story arc has been going on for a little while too long in my opinion. A little bit. Uh they are they're in the climax of it at least. They're in act 3. That's part of why I need to read it. I need to catch up. Yeah. My my issue, my issue with like the early parts of uh Wano was just the it was the fact that like there was essentially an east blue length flashback sequence to a character we had never met before. Yep. That's the other problem. That's the other big problem with One Piece is, hey, um, you got seven years because that's how much backstory I'm going to be putting in these panels. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really affect any of the current story. But... And, and in that time, I'll have to stop writing for I'll have to stop writing five times because I will be in the hospital because I overwork myself. Yeah, that. I think that's just, that's just a manga industry thing, I think, at this point. Yeah, none of the backstory matters. Again, I, I need to reiterate this. All this backstory does is inform you about some of the characters' choices. It doesn't it's affect the some story Some of the side characters' choices. Because, like, the flashback yeah. stuff really only helped inform who, who uh, Koski Odin is and why his retainers are being involved in this story so hard. Oh, also, this would totally just be better fit in a side manga that I could like just have an assistant write and get and allow them to get some credit. But because I'm obsessive, I'm putting it in my main story. Yeah. Uh, And also, this is coming at the same time that Toei Animation is currently under harsh criticism from the Western anime community, specifically on YouTube, because totally not Mark, a uh, content creator on YouTube who had done a like who had done like this massive arc by arc review of one piece going from the beginning to current doing like these 45 minute long videos that were like super in-depth and like did did a great job of like like explaining his thoughts and criticism and everything he had 150 videos of his taken down by toy animation in a day yeah 
which then led to him and many more creators uh, just straight up boycotting Toei Animation. Yeah, Toei Animation is weird because... Japan is weird with the internet, dude. No, like, it's like they only try hard on the parts that don't matter. (laughs) You know, because their animation quality is not up to standard, in my opinion. A lot of the anime leaves a lot to be desired, desired in my opinion. Well, it's as probably, far as the animation quality, it's probably because like with oh. the, with the One Piece anime, they get a budget of like twenty five bucks for a season. I I, I don't like Toei. <laughs> <laughs> just just my personal opinion. I don't like them. I don't like the way they handle their animation. I don't like the way they like handle the people who post content about their animation yeah and like it was especially shitty for totally not mark because not only did it like destroy three years of work it is channel demonetized for a while it it, this was also happening while toei was talking to him about him promoting a property they had coming out seriously yeah like, like they were they were like in talks with him to get him out somewhere like promoting a promoting a new movie they had coming out and then they hit him with 150 copyright claims. Which took down 150 videos. Because YouTube doesn't care. Nope. Uh, yeah, so yeah, multiple content creators um, came out and were like, yeah, we're not covering Toei anymore. We're boycotting this shit. Uh, Daniel Green, who was like a booktuber who had been doing these like very popular um, reviews arc by arc of One Piece, put out a video saying, yeah, no more One Piece. Explains why uh, One Piece has kind of been dead on the web from what I could see. Yeah, entirely because Toei is shitters. And yeah, it's it's weird because like so many uh, like Japanese companies feel like when they are like talking about stuff on the Internet, it's like, yeah, what's on the Internet? Like, like they think that once something is put out on the internet, that it will then like somehow hurt them to have people talk about their property on the internet. I don't know. It's it's just it's like the same kind of like backwards logic that made uh like Nintendo that that led to like a lot of Nintendo's decision surrounding like online connectivity with their consoles. Mm-hmm. And like the way that like their like accounts were hardware locked to the 3ds. Yep, that was annoying as fuck. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. For like such like a technologically advanced country, you think they'd be able to like have a better understanding of like copyright law on the internet? But whatever, that's all happening. It's just weird and. I think we're just going to wrap it there for today. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back maybe before the year's over. Who knows? Uh, coming up for the next little bit, though, we're going to be house. Myself, Bertie, and Nico have started our commentaries on the new season of Titans, which just and dropped. And I feel uh, bad for you. Which just dropped a Canadian Netflix. Uh, be sure to follow Bertie on Twitter at uh, Bertie underscore critic uh, to get all of the uh, freshest hot screaming rage <laughs> because this season hurt or just be friends with him because then we he'll are, tell you in person <laughs> we are two episodes in and it already is significantly worse than anything titans has ever done just 
butcherings of classic characters and complete misunderstandings of how shit works in every capacity. This show makes the Joker win. Anyway, I'm dead. And I'm Cave. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. <laughs>